0: Why? But it hit me like I was talking to my wife yesterday, and I said, "Is it 2024 tomorrow?" And I don't usually get into like, "What? Well, who cares? It's just another day." But something hit me about 2024, and there's some beautiful things this year, some very difficult things that we've dealt with this year. I mean, 2023 was was packed with a lot of things. Uh, there was personally a, a couple of changes that went on in my life in 2023. One I talked about last year at this time. If you guys don't remember Sunday. morning was New Year's Day last year, and I taught, and uh, I had someone come up to me and says, I've been taking cold showers for a year now. That's what they said. On that message, I looked back, I talked about I've been starting to look into getting a ice chest for my garage. And I'm gonna show you a picture right now. This is in my garage and I do have a cold plunge that I get in every day at about 35 degrees. So that I talked about last year and it has now been in there since the end of January. So I wanted to let you know, I'm still doing this crazy stuff and it's still life-changing for me. Second thing about 2023 that really hit me is a thing called Blinkist. I discovered a thing called Blinkist. I don't know if you ever heard of this. Blinkist is an app that summarizes books. And you can generally read a book in about 20 to 30 minutes. And these expert um, men and women get together and they summarize the book. I have probably read about 40 books now through Blinkist. Uh, this year. I wanted to throw that up there. And any of you have a heart to read a little bit more. And you want to read, you know, there's religious, there's psychology, there's novels, there's life stories. There's so many different options. Blinkist has become part of my life. And uh, um, just the way it's helped me grow and think about things, I wanted to share that with you too. So I'm going to keep encouraging you to get into cold water, and I'm going to keep encouraging you to read. Okay, so those are two things. But... There is a specific direction that my life took this year that I was not expecting. Um, It it kind of came to me as a surprise. And I remember, you know, years ago, someone asked me a question. They asked me, what do you fear the most? What do you fear the most? And I wanna tell you what my answer was. My answer to them was, I'm afraid people might find out who I really am. I don't know if you ever felt that way but there's stuff that goes on in your head there's stuff that goes in your own heart when you're by yourself just things that you wrestle with that you just kind of want to keep to yourself and I and I remember just saying that to them sometimes i'm afraid someone's going to see me and not accept me not care for me and reject me because of who they see and that's a real feeling that i have and this Year, I discovered something about myself that I never really thought of. I'm a very insecure person. And, and I really began to understand that I struggle with insecurity. It, it comes out in a couple of different ways. Financially, I'm like concerned financially. I, I never really recognized that, but I'm a penny pincher. I shop on OfferUp and Craigslist. My kids have always said, man, dad, you find such good deals. Well, it's because I got to find things cheap and I can't spend money and I, I, I need to put it away. I need to dock it away. But that insecurity I've realized comes out in more ways than just that. It comes out relationally as well. I'm concerned. I, I feel insecure with relationships. I want people to know that I care about them. I need them to know that I, that I need to know that they care about me. I I was talking to a worship leader that used to lead worship in my youth group when I was a youth pastor. And we were talking about this a little this year because back when I was a youth pastor, and this is, I just started understanding this this year. uh, At the end of, (coughs) excuse me, at the end of a youth group night, I would call him up and I'd text him and say, dude, your worship was so amazing tonight. And then he would text me back, oh dude, your message was so good. I realized that I was probably fishing for that compliment because I needed to know that they liked what I said. This is 10 years ago and this year I started having the discussions of understanding my insecurities. My financial insecurities, my relational insecurities, I'm realizing come from an upbringing that I had. When you have an upbringing of an alcoholic family and mental health issues, When you have an upbringing where you have a parent that attempted suicide multitude of times, then you had another parent that was a high achiever and you never felt like they totally were proud of you. Have you ever ever had that in your life? And so when I look back to divorce and alcoholism and all these different things that I dealt with, I realized I never felt secure in my home. I always felt loved. Don't get me wrong, I never didn't feel loved, but I never knew what was gonna happen. I never knew what was gonna happen financially in our home. I never knew what was gonna happen emotionally in our home. And it was tiring. It was tiring when I was in high school. It was tiring dealing with that stuff. And I realized here I am now, about to turn 57 here in 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 the next month, how much that affected me. And when I started wrestling with these insecurities, it was something that I really started thinking about. You see, earlier this year, I read a book and it was called The Seven Primal Questions. And this book got introduced to me as a guy named Mike Foster. I've been following him for 20 years. He's been a pastor and doing ministry and different things for 20 years. I've followed him in different ways. And this book came out this year, and I read it. And I had no idea that this was gonna have such a profound impact on my life. I've actually, since then, over the last four or five months, have gotten to spend two to three hours with Mike Foster, the author every week, talking about this subject, talking about this idea. And there's some question or something that he posed. And I thought, let's talk about this a little today. And we're gonna kind of dive into this over the next series. But he asked this question or he made this comment. He said this, one of the most important projects you'll engage in is yourself. One of the most important projects you'll engage in is yourself. How true is that? I'm not gonna talk specifically about New Year's resolutions, but we're gonna think a little bit about this idea of having you be your project coming up here as you move forward, what that might look like. Because oftentimes I just wanna cruise through life. I don't really wanna consider why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? I don't wanna consider like, what is it that I'm really trying to get at? What am I trying to experience? What What am I trying to know? Why do I need that? Why do I want that? Why do I respond that way? Why does that make me angry? Why does that trigger me? But to stop and to really think about that kind of thing. See, this book, this book's topics got me to consider things like unwanted behaviors that I just can't kick. Do You ever think about those kind of things? Or what about relational tension that always arise? Uh, unwelcome thoughts that keep creeping in. Harmful habits that rob happiness or strong emotions that don't make sense. Irrational fears that keep me up at night. Do any of those things hit anyone here? These are these deep like core emotional needs. And so, Mike Foster, in spending time with him, he got me to ask this question What is the core or primal emotional need that I'm trying to fulfill? That when it's not being fulfilled, these things happen relationship issues, emotional, harmful habits, irrational fears, strong emotions that don't make sense, you know? What is it that I'm, right, I'm trying to get to? Have you ever asked yourself this question? What's your core, primal, emotional need? What's my wife's core, primal, what are, what are my kids? Like really asking, what is it that's being needed here? Because I oftentimes sometimes just respond without really thinking. <laughs> Not only just on my own core emotional need, but people that are closest to me as well, because in so many ways, that core question is impacting you it's impacting your relationship with others and even your relationship with God. Can you go to that next slide real quick? Cause I want you guys to get this one, okay? I, maybe I didn't put that up there. Oh, there it is, okay. That core question is impacting you. It's impacting your relationship with those around you and it is impacting your relationship with God, how you view God and how you experience God. God, And so it's hard to be honest Going back to that, what do you fear the most, right? That you'll know the real me. And I've had to come out like this, this year a little and I talk about the real me, but it's so valuable. Especially if you're not necessarily like where you want to be in life. You're struggling with things about how you relate to yourself and to others, and maybe even your relationship with God. If you're not there, then I think engaging with this is important. And there's a verse that always comes to mind when, we, when I talk about this subject, and it's Psalm 139. This one, since I was younger, I've been praying this. I've been thinking about this verse, where in Psalm 139, in verse 23, it says, "'Search me, O God, and know my heart.'" Whoo, that hits that fear I have right there, right? Search me and know my heart. Where am I really at? Here's why, check out what it says here. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why am I anxious about the things I'm anxious about? Why do I worry about the things I worry about? What am I anxious? Search me, why does this affect me so much? Why does that affect me so much? Search me, know me. Test test me, know my anxious thoughts. That has to do with me and me relating to me, right? But then look what he says after this. See if there is any offensive way in me. Have you ever offended anyone last year? Did you offend your spouse? Did you offend your kids? Did you offend your parents? Did you offend a coworker? (laughs) Did you offend someone you loved very much? And that relationship is strained now, right? Man, I started reading this and kind of going like, ooh, do I really want to know what my offensive ways are, you know? It was their problem, it was their fault, no. What are my offensive ways? This is about like me thinking about me and how I respond, how I act, how I'm affecting people around me and lead me in the way everlasting. So this is like, this in the Psalm, the Psalmist is like asking God to search him But one thing I found out, that I could ask God all day long to search me, but if I'm not willing to partner with God in searching me, it ain't gonna happen. I could say this prayer all the time, but when I start going, okay, I'm asking, let me start thinking. Let me start paying attention to test myself, to really look closely at what makes me anxious and why to really pay attention to why have I offended people? What have I done to make some of these relationships a little strained and broken? What do I need to think about? What do I need to work on? What has affected my life and my relationships? So over the past couple months, the last five or six months, I've been digging into this 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 year. I can say this year still, because it's not 2024 yet, right? Asking why. And I've been seeing some beautiful things come out, some hard things, but some beautiful things, some needed things, because they all tie back to that core emotional need, right? That core emotional need that is arising that wasn't being met when I was younger, probably. (laughs) And it's kind of worked itself into my older life, often based on something subconscious. Something that I can't necessarily put my finger on and it takes some work to get to. Have you ever felt what Paul says? Look at what Paul says in Romans seven. Have you ever felt this before? I do not understand what I do. Anyone? You thought that? I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Anyone done that? How many of you set New Year's resolutions and it lasted a week, right? Or, Man, why do I do this? Why do I do the same things over and over again expecting different results? Why do I keep treating this person that I love this way? Why do I do the things I don't wanna do? Why do I not do the things I do wanna do? If you you can relate, then it's time to start thinking, right? Like, let's pay attention to this. Because the reality makes me consider Makes me consider it's, it's made me think about this. It, it's made me want to know more, not just in my own life, but I wanted to know like, what's my wife's core emotionally? what are my kids' core emotional needs? it's been a very eye-opening year for us to really think about that. It's changed the way and I 'll talk about this a little bit changed the way I respond to my wife and talk to my wife. It's changed some things for me. So going back to this book um, the seven primal questions. There are seven core primal questions that Mike Foster kind of narrowed it down to. And one of them, here's the key, right? One of them is our own apex question. It's our own apex question that drives our lives. It drives our marriages, our parenting, our relationships, how we view and relate to God. We're driven by a, a question that we're trying to get answered. Oftentimes, it's coming from when we were younger. So over the next seven weeks, we're gonna start a new series and we're gonna look at every one of these questions. Each week, we're gonna talk about how God answers this question in our lives and how that can affect how we see ourselves and how we relate to others around us. I think it's gonna be amazing. I'm kind of blown away. Scott came to me and said, what if we did a series called Seven Yeses and we went? Because he read that book, we've been talking about them all, really? I hope I don't have to be exposed about who I am in that, right? We'll talk about you, you know? But we're gonna do it. So what are the questions? Let's just look. Today we're gonna look at the questions, okay? Here are the seven questions that Mike Foster has identified after years of research that are seven questions we all ask, but one is an apex question in your life. And I told you what mine was, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But here are the seven questions. Number one, am I safe? Number two, am I secure? Number three, am I loved? Number four, am I wanted? Number five, am I successful? Number six, am I good enough? And number seven, do I have purpose? I bet you, I've gotten to do this with our men's group and Celebrate Recovery group with Mom the Mom. And I bet you, many of you here are already identifying which one stands out to you. You're already going like, "Mm, that one's me right there. The author challenges us that we all have an apex question that is the thing under the thing that drives everything. The one question that we're wrestling with, the one question that maybe we didn't feel like we were getting the yeses to that we wanted when we were younger, and now we've been fighting to try to get those yeses. Have you ever realized you might not be as in control as you thought? Anyone? Anyone realize you thought you were all in control and you realize you weren't? That, oh, that, uh, there was other things at work <laughs> in your head and in your heart, you know? Other things at work and why you approach things the way you do. I, I mean, it often seems like, doesn't it, that others are more in control than you are, that your emotions, your circumstances seem to dictate oftentimes what you're going through and why? If any of you have like experienced that, well, welcome to the party, right? And man, how you were raised, how our parents parented and related to each other and to us laid a foundation in our lives. It laid a foundation, a bigger foundation, I think, than we think that has more of an effect on us than we think it has. And I wanna tell you, this is exactly what God says to Moses back in Exodus, When Moses wants God to pass before him, he wants to know the heart of God. When God passes in front of Moses and talks about that he's compassionate and kind and loving and forgiving, and he pardons sin, he then says this in Exodus, and pay attention to what it says here. Exodus 34, seven, but I do not excuse the guilty. And how does he not excuse the guilty? Look at what it says. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren and the entire family is affected. That's what I've experienced. My great-grandfather affected my grandfather and my grandfather affected my mom and my mom affected me. And now I'm affecting my kids. Yeah, when when God passed before Moses, that's what he wanted Moses to understand. I am impacted. Like it's almost like I'm I'm more punished by my sins than for, for my sins. You know what I mean? It's like it's a generational thing. When Moses had God pass before him, this is something God wanted to understand: that how we treat others causes how they treat others. And the butterfly effect keeps going to the third and to the fourth generations. We're affected by our families and I'm affecting my family. And I think that's a worthwhile thing to consider because our primal question is the hidden programming that has been formed over many years that influences every positive and negative decision that we make. Oh, I remember the first time I said to my kids what my dad said to me, that I swore I would never say to my kids. Any of you dads done that? No, am I the only one? You know, I hated that about my dad. But then I used it on my children and I see the look in their face, must've been the same look I gave my dad when he did it. What's your problem? What were you thinking? How many times do I have to tell you? I remember that stuff and I did not like that stuff. And then I'm imparting it onto my children. Why do we see the things the way we do? Why are we really, what are we really looking for? What do we really want? There's hidden programming that I've been raised with that I'm really thinking through and how that affects me. And then really asking not just what I want, but what's worth wanting? What's really worth wanting? What's really do I wanna go after? And I don't think we all have the same answers to those questions. We don't all know what we want or have the same wants or even see the same things worth wanting. We all have a journey that we're on in our lives. But this book, Mike Foster has done research on these seven questions. And I really believe, I've gone through this now with I don't know how many people. I've had, bu- I've had buddies buy this book and then buy 20 of them and hand them out to all their friends. It's crazy what I'm seeing this do. And what I'm seeing it getting people to think, I'm seeing it restore marriages, I'm seeing it people seeing themselves differently, seeing their spouse differently, working on that. By looking at my own thought, what drives me? And realizing that when I'm not getting a yes to what drives me, whatever that question is, am I secure, am I safe? Like, am I loved, am I wanted, am I good enough? Do I have purpose? Am I successful? If you're not getting a yes to that, you know, we have a tendency to start scrambling for things. We start trying to find a yes in other areas. So when we scramble, when not getting a yes to our primal question, it could result in things in like people pleasing, perfectionism, performance focus, codependency, self abandonment, the need for control. Anyone struggle with any of these things? Anything resonating here, you know? Like, oh, I, it, it comes out in these different ways. And Mike Foster calls this the scramble, right? He calls it the scramble. When I'm not getting a yes, or I'm getting a no, or a maybe, I'm gonna start going after other things. I'm gonna take control of this area. I'm gonna have perfectionism. I better be this, I better be a people pleaser. I better, codependency, self-abandonment, bad habits, and things that we do control. But when you have a good, healthy yes to your question, when you have a good, healthy yes to your question, you'll start experiencing a more fulfilled life because you're living into who you are more. You'll build healthier relationships because you'll begin to see what they're emotional need is, and you'll begin to relate to each other differently. You'll discover you have an incredible gift to offer the world around you. You see, your primal question isn't something to be fixed. It's not like you need to fix it and get it out of there. No, it's something you just need to start becoming aware of. You need to kind of begin to identify and understand things about you and what you might need to avoid because of the way you are wired and because of the way that you see things and learn to answer your question with a yes and begin to believe that you have something you're bringing to the table in other people's lives. In the same question you're trying to get a yes to, you have a tendency of answering yes to that to other people. That's your natural tendency. Man, have you ever realized sometimes that people that went through some of the hardest brokenness in their past sometimes bring some of the most beauty to people in their present? They understand. They feel what you feel and they can bring something beautiful. They can bring something beautiful. Romans chapter 12 verse two says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't just be conformed. Don't just do what you do because it's what you do. That is like the lowest thinking pattern, right? I just do what I do because that's what I do. Oh man, I don't wanna do that anymore, right? I wanna start thinking a little deeper. I wanna not just be conformed to the pattern of the world and the way that I do things, but I wanna be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I wanna start thinking a little deeper so that what? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is good, pleasing and perfect will. Then I'll be able to to see things a little differently. Man, when you sit there and say, what is God's will? To know that I'm loved by God and to love others, that's God's will. I mean, it narrows down. Jesus narrows it down to that a whole bunch. Bottom line is this, right? Faith expressing itself through love. And how does that look? And how do I live into that? And the foundation of that mind change starts knowing that God answers yes to all these questions that drives us. He wants you to know you're secure. He wants you to know you're safe. He wants you to know you're loved and you're wanted and you're successful and you have purpose and you're good enough. That's living free. That's our heart, that's where it starts. With the very heart of God towards us to answer that primal question that we have. That's why I love Matthew 11:28. 28. I think I use this every time I teach, I use it, and I say I use it every time I teach, I think. Because I want this, if they, any verse you memorize, this is the call of God in our lives through Jesus Christ. Matthew 11, come to me all you are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. <sighs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy my burden is light. He doesn't want you to be burdened by these questions, be burdened by this programming, be burdened by just do what I do and I continue to cause destruction in my way or never feel like I'm being loved or wanted or good enough, whatever it might be. He wants you to find freedom from that, no longer being conformed, but transformed by his love for us. And the burdens that have formed, the negative consequences from those burdens, the scrambles, the way we wrestle with our primal question, he wants you to find rest. But it might take you some focus on your side. And that's what we're gonna do for the next seven weeks not just so you're gonna probably identify what your question is, but I bet you're gonna identify what, because in my family, none of in my, my wife and my two kids, none of us had the same question. It's all different and it's helped us to figure each other out a little bit. So I wanna end up by sharing a personal journey. Put those questions back up there. As I told you, I, am I secure is my question. And this helped me to understand why I see money in the way. When my wife says I'm gonna buy this, I go like, mm, and I tighten up. I didn't realize why it hit me so bad. But even deeper for me, it helped me to understand how I feel about relationships and how insecure I can feel about relationships. When I have people that are going through things and hurting, I feel like I need to be the savior. I feel like I need to come in. That's something that I wrestle with. If I do something that offends someone, oh my gosh, that crushes me. And I realize it's not because I'm so godly or whatever. It's because if someone makes, doesn't trust me, my insecurities go off. It's pretty heavy. And I've been a pastor for 30 years. Might not even been the most healthy decision of a career for me, I don't know. But guess what I've also found? I think I bring security to other people. I think I help people feel secure. I think I help little kids feel secure out there by high-fiving them because I absolutely love doing that. There's nothing I want more than your little kiddos that have a pastor in their church that they know they can trust. That's a security issue. I always wonder why do I high-five like stinking 200 kids every day that rub their noses and high-five me? (laughs) Christmas, Christmas Eve was like golden, I was in heaven, right? I realized because I want your kiddos to feel secure, just like I wanna feel secure. I never knew that till this year. I've got a gift to bring, just like you do. And even though I might scramble sometimes, And my scramble, I gotta back away because I could get offended real quick. When someone says, Steve, and they challenge my motive, oh man, I can get defensive. (laughs) There was this time Scott came up to me, and I don't even know if I should talk about this, but I will, and he said, hey Steve, this is like 10 years ago or eight years ago, or who knows, it doesn't really matter, could have been yesterday. He said, I need to tell you something, but I'm afraid to tell you because I don't want you to get defensive. And inside me, I'm like, I won't get that inside. Dude, like everything in me was like, I'm getting defensive. You didn't even say it yet. <laughs> but I remember that conversation. A matter of fact, I talked to him about it a few months ago when I went through this, he goes, I remember that. And I went, oh my goodness. That's something I need to avoid. Or people are gonna be afraid to come and talk to Steve or share something because he gets so defensive because my insecurities go off. My wife's, my wife's primal question is, am I good enough? And I never realized until recently when I criticize her, she's responding because I'm making her feel like you're not good enough of a wife. And I never knew that. She never knew that. But she grew up. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want, just in a place where she never felt quite good enough. Her parents are wonderful. We have an incredible relationship. These are just things. My one son is, am I loved? What do you do when your son comes and says, my primal question is, am I loved? What do you mean? Well, he was the younger son that had an older brother that never got in trouble. I'm the only one that got in trouble. You're the only one that did stuff that meant to get in trouble. (laughs) But what did that do to him? Made him feel not loved as much. We've had conversations over the last months that we've never had before to speak differently when I need to speak into my wife differently, not critical, because I know what that makes her feel. And how much my wife now tells me, oh honey, you're secure with me, I love you no matter what. And how I speak to her, you are such a good wife, you are good enough at everything you do. We're speaking these things into our lives and it's having a deep impact, I almost fell right there. Having a deep <laughs> impact, Did y'all see that? I just tripped over this thing. I just had to share when something like that happens. So over the next seven weeks, I hope that maybe you can pray this prayer. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxiety, thought, my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. And within that journey of asking that question, we're gonna like take a look at these questions. And I hope by the end of seven weeks, put up those questions again, that that idea of am I safe turns to I am safe. Am I secure turns to I am secure. That question, am I loved turns to I am loved. Am I wanted turns to I am wanted. Am I successful turns to I am successful. Am I good enough turns into I am good enough. And do I have purpose turns into I do have a purpose. And maybe this is gonna transform your 2024, like the impact it had on my 2023. And it's gonna make you think differently about yourself, differently about your spouse, your parent, your sibling, your children, your coworkers, people in your life, and differently about God, especially when he answers that question in your life. We're gonna take communion as we close out today's service. And if you, if you haven't gotten a communion, you can raise your hand. There'll be someone that can get that to you if you didn't get the communion elements. But, but I just want you to think about, Jesus came to show us how much he's right there with us. He became, God became man to dwell amongst us, to empathize with our weaknesses. Those ways we scramble and the decisions we make and the ways we've been affected by our past and the out of control and the and the things we wrestle with, he came to sit there and say, and say, I empathize with that. I identify. I was tempted in every way, just like you are. I'm right there with you. And when he says that we're naked and we're bare before him, one of my favorite verses is Hebrew chapter 4, verse 16 where he says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Whew, whatever your, my my insecurity, it was never like I'm coming with confidence, right? It's like, no, I'm too insecure for that. But Jesus helps us. If you feel unwanted, he wants you. If you feel unloved, he loves you. If you feel not secure, he wants to make you secure. If you feel you don't have a purpose, he says you have a purpose. And God so loved the world that he gave his son. That Jesus faced all the weight of rejection and that sin when he went to the cross and he rose conquering it. To say, every time you take communion together, you're remembering what he declares about you. You're his. He loves you just as you are. And he'll be with you on this journey every step of the way. Whatever struggles you've had, whatever failures you've made, he's there to bring you out of that. And I just pray as we start 2024, that we start with just taking communion. So we'll start with just taking the bread. And he said, this is my body is broken for you. It's broken so you know that I'm with you. It's broken so that you know you're not alone. If you feel broken and you feel like you're going through, he says, I'm right there with you. I'm broken too. What a beautiful picture Jesus wanted us to see of the very heart of God. He's not far, he's not distant, he's right here, right with us. Father, thank you for coming, Lord Jesus, for living and and, and being rejected and going through all you went and even taking on the sins of the world as you were killed by the political and you are killed by the religious system and you hung on that cross and you identified with us. You faced death so we don't have to fear it. You faced all these things that the world throws at us because of sin and brokenness so that we know that you're with us in the midst of all of it and you identify and you empathize with us. So as we take this bread, may we just say thank you that if we have been broken in some ways. We know that you are right there with us. So let's take the bread. And the Bible says that his blood was shed. Its blood is a sign of life, that he faced death. He he took the weight of sin to its full degree to tell us we don't have to fear it. He conquered and rose from the dead. No longer do we have to fear that which is opposed to us. What a beautiful picture, what a beautiful picture. For because of his blood being shed, he forgives us. He wants us to know that you are forgiven always, always and forevermore. Lord Jesus, thank you for putting on display that you are the sacrifice that has sacrificed your life so that we might know that we can have life through you. May that have a deep, profound impact in our lives. And as we begin this journey of just really having ourselves kind of be that project, really thinking through why we do what we do, may we realize that because of your example, you're right there with us always. Bringing life into us as we drink in your grace, as we drink in your beauty, may we be reminded that you are here. Never leave us, never forsake us, always with us. Let's take of the juice. Lord Jesus, just be with us as we begin this journey next week in our lives and in our relationships and in how we see you. May the next seven weeks have such a deep, profound impact on us. May it help us to no longer just be conformed to what we are about necessarily, but transformed. And may we experience your presence and your guidance as you draw us close to you and to each other and even close to ourselves for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you guys so much, Alex.